This is IEDA In Your Ear, the podcast for members of the Indiana Economic Development Association. This podcast is powered by the Indiana Municipal Power Agency. Since 1983, IMPA has provided 61 municipal utilities in Indiana and Ohio with low-cost, reliable, and environmentally responsible power. I'm Lee Llewellyn. We're talking today with Lindsay Malici, Economic Development Specialist with the Indiana District Office of the U.S. Small Business Administration. Uh, some of the IEDA listeners may remember Lindsay as Lindsay Beckman when she was with uh, either the Indiana State Department of Agriculture or when I met her, she was with the uh, uh, Morgan County Economic Development Corporation. So now she's with the Small Business Administration. And uh, we're talking today uh, about services that the uh, SBA offers. Uh, and we want economic developers to be aware of this as they are visiting with uh, businesses in their communities as part of their business retention expansion visits. And one way that they, uh, that, that, uh, they have segmented services to help us remember when we would reach out to them is that you can think of it as services to help with starting a business, services to help with growing a business, or services that can help businesses expand. So it's start, grow, expand. Uh, we've done two previous episodes where we talked about uh, services for startups, uh, a second episode where we talked about uh, services for those companies who are trying to grow. So this is our third episode where we're focusing on uh, uh, services for expanding businesses. So uh, again, this is part three. Um, Lindsay's been very good at working through the first two episodes. Lindsay, thank you for uh, sticking with it and, and helping us with episode number three. Thanks, Lee. Really appreciate the opportunity. So uh, I think it helps to make sure that we're, we're thinking about context. Uh, and let's start with talking about what is the U.S. Small Business Administration? Um, you know, what is its mission? And, and how would we sort of think about that as an entity? The Small Business Administration, or the SBA, was created in 1953 as an independent agency of the federal government, and we are here to aid, counsel, and assist and protect the interests of small businesses in America. Uh, we believe that small business plays a significant role in the economic growth of our country. Um, we assist businesses through access to capital, entrepreneurial development, government contracting assistance, and advocacy. Anything that helps Americans start, grow, and expand for-profit businesses. We have field offices all over the country, and our Indiana District Office covers the entire state. So we've talked about uh, what is a small business, and, and you know that is uh, something that certainly when, when we thought about this, uh, in the past, we always defined a small business, at least in sort of the Indianapolis area, as 100 employees or less. But we knew when we were working with the Small Business Administration that asking what is a small business does not always get such a, a, a simple answer because it depends upon the type of business uh, and it's a much broader definition. So give us at least a, a range and a little bit of an example of what is a small business from the purposes of for the purposes of the SBA. 
Sure. I think uh, most people, when they think they know what a small business is, they think it might be one or two employees, up to 50 employees, but it actually can go much higher. Uh, like Lee mentioned, it does depend on the industry. Um, for example, um, it's either based on annual revenue or employees. So for most farming, it's going to be $750,000 in annual revenue or less and still be considered a small business. But for an uh, industry such as PR agencies, they can go up to $15 million in annual revenue and still be considered a f small business. And uh, some of the industries are based on employee size. So most wholesale is going to be 100 employees or less, whereas ice cream manufacturing can go up to 1,000 employees and still be considered small. So I think, so that covers probably a pretty wide um, number of companies in Indiana. So how would we, how would we characterize the number of companies that might be eligible for the SBA? Um, if we simplify a little bit and say, okay, firms 500 employees or less, that's more than 99.4% of Indiana businesses, more than half a million small businesses in Indiana that are considered small. So bottom line, if they're not really a large company or maybe they're a tier one supplier um, or not a tier one supplier, then they most likely qualify as small. Uh, there's not really a lot of in between. They're either small or large, but if they are edging toward that line, then that's something our office can help determine. And there is a size standards tool on our website at sba.gov size. So I guess the bottom line for, for, for an economic developer who is meeting with a company in his or her community, um, unless it is one of those really large, really large companies, um, it's probably a, at least a, kind of a safe bet that uh, if, they're, if they're talking to them, it's a good chance that they may be eligible for some assistance through the SBA. That's right, Lee. Okay, so I think that's important. And again, we're trying to focus on uh, opportunities for economic developers as they are visiting with uh, local companies. Uh, let's revisit the, the topic from, from the, the second podcast where we made the distinction as we start talking about uh, expansion services. But let's go back and make a little bit of the distinction between how you define growth and expansion for purposes of the kinds of services you're talking about. Yes, it is a little fluid and try not to get too caught up in whether or not it's grow or expand, but you might think of uh, growing being something more like the traditional business operations that are occurring uh, after the launch phase, um, managing the business where you're at. Think of expansion more like expanding your horizons into new locations, maybe exporting to foreign countries, or uh, becoming a government contractor. So those are two, two you, you mentioned two things that I think are really critical to focus on, and one is exporting and the other is um, uh, government contracting. So let's start with, with exporting and uh, talk a little bit about um, it's, it seems to me that the whole idea of exporting uh, has a lot of mystique around it in some cases because, you know, again, uh, you know, we're talking about, you know, uh, foreign markets and just the word foreign is, is intimidating to some folks. So uh, how does the SBA uh, help as uh, 
companies begin to think about expanding their markets, and there's that word expanding, expanding their markets into uh, international territory. I think you're right, Lee. I think it can be daunting. Um, you know, businesses might be lacking the market information that they need to understand what's even out there. It's like looking into a dark cave or something. Um, they might be looking at product modifications that they have to make for different markets. There are a lot of different export licenses and a lot of different documentation that has to be completed to export. Um, and it can be risky. And quite frankly, I think a lot of small businesses probably feel like they're already busy enough. But when you consider that 96% of consumers and two-thirds of the world's purchasing power is outside of the United States, the advantages of exporting can far outweigh the disadvantages. And, um, you know, there might be a lot of demand for your product. A lot of uh, companies I've worked with in the past who um, have started thinking about exporting are thinking about it because they have people calling them or knocking on their doors or asking them, you know, please set yourself up as a legitimate exporter so I can stop illegally importing your product into, with, into my suitcase and into my country. So I think there is a lot of demand out there. Um, and exporting can help increase profits. It can reduce market dependence and it can help stabilize seasonal sales. There are a lot of benefits to exporting and a, a big market out there. So how, but, but, but how, yes, but how do, so if someone is thinking about that, or they present with the opportunity, uh, what, what would they come to you and ask or what, what, what kind of assistance would they get from you? And so, so you talked about, for example, just understanding, you know, what would be the demand for my product? How, how would I be even begin to answer that question? Um, SBA and our partners, uh, so we have the SBA resource partners, that includes the Small Business Development Center Network, the SCORE volunteers, and the Women's Business Center, as well as some of our federal counterparts like at the USIAC or the U.S. Export Assistance Center through the Department of Commerce. Um, we all have a lot of tools and resources that are available to do just that. So we can help companies assess their readiness and understand the markets and uh, find international buyers. Here at SBA, we provide uh, export financing loans where we will guarantee up to 90% of the loan. So that takes away a lot of the risk from the lender uh, who might be looking to help finance your project. Um, the Export-Import Bank has credit, export credit insurance that can uh, reduce risk by insuring your receivables. So there are a lot of resources out there. So that's, I mean, I think that is interesting to, uh, that I don't, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure many people don't understand. I mean, and even if they've perhaps um, uh, gone through traditional financing for their company, um, through a bank and they've gotten an SBA loan guarantee for just that loan. But I don't know that probably people are, are as aware that you could do that within the exporting context to help lower that risk. Um, so you talked about receivables, which I think is, uh, I mean, which is, has to be very, very beneficial that you can have that sort of that guarantee. Mm -hmm. um, and that's and something you only pay for if you use it. Okay. So it's a great tool through Exim Bank. Okay, so I think those all are, are probably uh, a, a range of services that people are completely unaware of. Mm -hmm. um, and certainly, and I think you talked about something else that I think is also important, is that um, 
when we would talk to, to companies in the past, it would be that they were looking at, you know, perhaps the demand for their product in the United States was cyclical or was seasonal, and they would look at perhaps an international market to balance that seasonal or cyclical demand as a way of, you know, trying to hedge their bets a little bit. That's right. And our resource partners have some really powerful um, market data research tools um, that would sometimes cost hundreds or thousands of dollars if you tried to buy it yourself. So might as well use these uh, taxpayer-funded services, get a return on your taxpayer dollars by looking at uh, what they can look at to help you understand the markets a little better. I think that's very interesting, and I and and uh, so I think that's very helpful. So then we talked about then the other thing that you talked about was become a federal federal contractor, uh, and you know I think once you start looking at just that whole uh, how much purchasing the federal government does, and I know that there are that at least in the past there used to be. Um, specific programs that were really identified toward trying to improve purchasing through smaller contractors. So talk about uh, that whole notion of becoming a federal contractor and how the SBA plays in part of that process. Well, part of the reason, let's start here. Part of the reason why this is in the expand category is because the federal government is looking to do business with companies who are established, um, who are kind of, um, they've been in the game for a while. Um, they're reliable businesses. And so that's why it's in the expand uh, category. Um, but there is huge opportunity. Uh, you alluded to, Lee, the U.S. government is the largest buyer in the world. Um, last fiscal year, well, fiscal year 17, they spent over $4 trillion. Now that includes grants and all of those things. When you look at small business contracts, directly contracting with small businesses, uh, the numbers just came out for fiscal year 2018, was over 120 uh billion dollars. So there is a huge opportunity uh, for small businesses. And the government buys everything. It's not just high-tech defense things. They ha own a lot of buildings and they need janitorial services. They need uh, lawn care services. Um, they need administrative services, whether it's PR or, um, um, oh, what's it called when you're dictated something and you type it out? Um, uh, transcription. <laughs> transcription. Let's call, let's call thank you. Transcription, <laughs> transcription services. Um, and it's not just the Department of Defense. Of course, Indiana uh, Department of Defense with Crane Naval Base here, they do a lot of contracts for Department of Defense. But, I mean, I saw a Peace Corps contract in there. Um, Department of Education, Department of Transportation, all these different entities when they buy things, are bidding them out. And the goal of the federal government is to award 23% of the federal contracting dollars to small businesses. And in addition, the federal government tries to award a certain percentage uh, to specifically to women-owned small businesses, to socially and economically disadvantaged small businesses, to service-disabled veteran-owned small businesses, um, and to businesses located in hub zones or historically underutilized business zones. Um, 
So uh, what I like about our mission, when it, especially when it comes to contracting, is that um, it's for all small businesses, um, and they don't have to be certified or anything to qualify as a small business for uh, federal government contracts. They just put in their industry classification, and it tells them, you know, based on their annual revenue or employees, if they're small, and so they don't have to do anything. Um, it's part of the registration process. Um, but if they do fit into any of these other categories, women-owned, socially economically disadvantaged, service disabled vet hub zone, they can get a certification and it helps them compete for those contracts. Sometimes uh, the federal government, when they're looking to meet their goals, can even sole source those contracts, meaning that they wouldn't even be competing with anybody else for that contract. So how would, uh, so again, how would I start that process and, and where does the SBA come in? So if I'm interested in exploring those opportunities, where do I start? Uh, well, they're, ha they're welcome to reach out to the Indiana District Office for SBA, to our office. We're happy to walk them through the process. Um, there are some online resources, online repositories of all federal contracting data. Um, those are the Federal Procurement Data System or usaspending.gov.gov. Um, so you can look based on all different factors, what the federal government has contracted out, whether it was uh, a certain industry or a certain county, um, or whether or not one of those um, certifications, women-owned, socially, economically disadvantaged-owned, one of those set-asides um, was used. So that's a good place to start to see, is the government even buying what I'm offering? But if you put in your NAICS code, your industry classification code, you might be surprised uh, at what the federal government has bought in your industry. So one last thing uh, that typically does not get associated with small business assistance, but is a role that the Small Business Administration plays, um, and it kind of falls outside of the start, grow, expand, but you also have a role that, that you play in, in, in recovery. So talk a little bit about what that the last service is that most people wouldn't associate with the Small Business Administration. Yes, so um, we hope it never happens, but we do step in when needed to help not only small businesses, but also renters and homeowners recover from declared disasters. So whether they've incurred physical damage or economic injury, um, and they might need a low interest loan to cover operating expenses while they get back on their feet, um, that's where SBA steps in to help um, on the recovery side. Uh, and there's also a role for small businesses themselves to help with um, disaster recovery. They can contract with the federal government to assist in relief and recovery efforts following a major disaster. So looping back before we finish, uh, back to expand, expansion services, uh, anything that we didn't cover um, in, in sort of my questions that you wanted to touch upon in terms of uh, services you provide for expanding businesses? Well, in addition to um, all of our uh, partners, uh, anytime any of our economic development friends uh, have questions um, or just want to chat about any of these expansion topics, exporting or contracting, they can feel free to reach out directly to any of our resource partners, whether it's Small Business Development Center, SCORE, Women's Business Center, whether it's the Department of Commerce's Export Assistance Center, um, or on the contracting side, I didn't mention the Indiana PTAC, 
Procurement Technical Assistance Center, which um, similar to the SBDC provides free one-on-one -on -one counseling specific to local, state, and federal contracting for free. Um, they can feel free to go to any of those partners or come to the SBA office. You know, I appreciate it. We've been talking today with uh, uh, Lindsay Malici, Economic Development Specialist with the Indiana District Office of the U.S. Small Business Administration. Lindsay, thank you very much. Appreciate it. Thank you. This has been IEDA In Your Ear, the podcast for members of the Indiana Economic Development Association. This podcast was powered by the Indiana Municipal Power Agency. Since 1983, IMPA has provided 61 municipal utilities in Indiana and Ohio with low-cost, reliable, and environmentally responsible power. Learn more about IMPA by visiting their website at impa.com and be sure to follow them on social media to stay in the know. This podcast is copyrighted 2019 by the Indiana Economic Development Association, which retains all rights to the content.